Oh, new mic. Ooh, it works. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for having us. Um, I've never asked Ryan before if I could speak, and I was telling Julia when we were riding here on the car, I was like, I feel my spirit burning. Just I, I feel like I need to ask Ryan um, to speak. And I thought that was really weird. Like, I've never asked before, and I've never felt like asking before. And so, um, yeah, it was just... One of those things, and Ryan was like, I'm, I'm excited to hear your message. I'm like, I'm excited to hear it too. <laughs> but um, yeah, we want to talk today about disappointment, don't we, Julia? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and this all kind of started at, we're just going to share with you guys. Normally we do like a lot of, we've been up here before and we do teaching and stuff. We're going to be kind of more relaxed this time. We're just going to share with you our hearts and we have a couple Bible verses and some teaching, but not, we're not going to be like, and for our first um, point and our second point. So if, if you can't follow with us, just, it's okay. We're just, you know, having a conversation. Um, but yeah, it just, it kind of started, we were asking God about a lot of things and um, actually, while I was up doing worship, God reminded me of something. We both went to Karis, and the number one, what do you think the number one question that, that you got when people came to Karis, what do you think the number one question is, Julia? I, we've not talked about this, but what do you think? Yeah, it's like, it's something normally related to receiving. Like, why can't I receive from God? Like, you know, people are believing for things, whatever it is. And they're, they're, I feel like their number one question is like, why can't I receive? Or why, what's stopping me from receiving this thing from God? And I felt like God told me while I was up leading worship, he's like, tell them this is one of the reasons. And it's disappointment. And just like Ryan was talking, he has no idea what we're going to say. I have no idea what we're going to say. Exactly. I've got some idea. But um, we put walls up around us and that is comes from disappointment when something happens and we expected it to go a different way we are have opportunity to be disappointed so i wrote down the uh definition of the word disappointment i looked it up on the internet and it says sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations and i then added this can be with god with people, and that could be include others and ourselves or events. And I just want to pull the audience for a second. Who here has dealt with disappointment in their life? Okay. Uh, do we have everyone awake? Yes, we're good. We're going good to go. Yeah, we've all dealt with disappointment in our life. And we live in a fallen world. We live in a place that is not fair. And because it's not fair we will be disappointed with the outcome. Um, I'm going to talk in a little bit, but that actually goes both ways. We could be disappointed. Um, what we expected may be better. It may be better than what we expected, so it could be the other way. Um, we wouldn't consider that disappointment, though, would we? So the first story, I was like asking God, like, what, what should we talk about, like, disappointment in the Bible? Where is there? Because the word disappointment doesn't show up a whole lot in the Bible. Um, if you just do a word search, I felt like God showed me this story. It's in Mark 9, 
uh, 14 through 29. If you have your Bible, you can turn, or maybe Nathan can throw the verse up. I'm not sure it's on there. Um, this is the story of the, um, the demon-possessed boy. So let me just give a little backstory, and then we'll start into the story. So Jesus and his disciples were going out. They were, everything they were doing, everything was taking place. Healings, deliverance, and this man had his son, and he had been demon-possessed for a long time. He'd been demonized, and he had been having epileptic seizures, and the, the father told Jesus that the boy is getting thrown into the fire, gets thrown into the water, and he's going to die, basically. So there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of turmoil that happens in this story, and I'm going to start. And they came back to the other disciples and saw a large crowd around them, I'm in verse 14, and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And Jesus asked them, what are you disputing with them, talking about the scribes and Pharisees? So Jesus' disciples were arguing with the scribes and Pharisees. And one person from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son because he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. And I told your disciples so that they would cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answered them and said, Jesus saying, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when Jesus saw the boy, um, or the, the boy saw the Jesus, sorry, the spirit immediately threw the boy into convulsions and fell to the ground and began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And I've read this story many times, and I've never thought about disappointment. You know, this has been happening for a long time. And I'm sure the father was hoping that the boy would get better, hoping that things would improve, but he was disappointed over and over and over again that it wasn't happening, that it wasn't, something wasn't fixed, it wasn't being solved, the problem wasn't being solved, and he, I'm sure he took, it to the, took the boy to the scribes and the Pharisees. I'm sure they couldn't do anything. And so now he takes the boy to Jesus' disciples and I'm sure hope was up in him, like, oh, they can probably do something. They'd cast out other demons, and he probably heard word about that and then brought his son there, and then only to be disappointed again. The feeling of there is no one that can fix this problem. And we see from this story, this is one of the few stories, actually, where somebody comes to Jesus, and the father is absolutely hopeless, so we're going to carry on the story. It says, It is often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, talking to Jesus, take pity on us and help us. He, had, he was not coming with any standing. He had no hope. He's like, if you can just do anything. He was so hopeless. Disappointment leads to hopelessness, doesn't it, Julia? Um, let me, t I'm going to continue on with the story. I was looking, I was making sure I wasn't like running over what you were going to say. Um, 
Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. I want to split this verse up for a second because we read things in the Bible a lot of times and it's just like, oh, that's how it happened. That's kind of like, like hearing the story of a crash and think, oh, you know, the sky cut you off. It's all, it's all over. But that's not what was happening at the time. You know, it feels so slow when something's actually happening. Jesus prays for the boy, commands the spirit out, and then what happens? The spirit convulses him worse. Things actually get worse, not better. And it throws him to the ground, and some uh, Bible translations say that, and this one says, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. So there's got to be some time for people to look and decide that the boy is dead. So if you think about this hopeless situation, this disappointment over and over and over again, Jesus prays, and then it appears that the boy dies. So it's not just like Jesus comes and says, you know, leave, and it, all victory is had. You know, things continue to look worse, you know? Disappointment like that can slip up in our lives and be the only thing that we can see. Disappointment builds walls and it brings us away, a wall between us and God. And it really, it keeps us from receiving. It keeps us from receiving from each other. It keeps us from receiving love from God. Wherever we have disappointment, we've taken and built a wall. And it comes against hope. Disappointment comes against hope. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But in this story, Jesus prays and things don't look better. But then Jesus took the boy by the hand and raised him up and he got up. Okay, so Jesus delivers the boy and he's delivered. And I'm sure that the father was happy. I'm sure that there was a lot of um, rejoicing. But I want you to look at this next part of the story. So when he came into the house, his disciples began asking him privately. So they weren't like, hey, Jesus. They were like, hey, come over here. We want to talk to you quietly. And, he, and they said, why is it that we could not cast it out? Okay. What I want to ask you to think about, why did they determine who told them that they couldn't cast it out? Yeah, it was themselves. They were the ones who decided that they couldn't cast it out. And why was that? Because they were disappointed. That's why they came to Jesus quietly. They were disappointed. They, they did it and they didn't see the, the result that they thought they were going to get. Even though Jesus told them what the end result would be. He told them, if you go back, he said, you cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. So Jesus told them what to do. And then they did what they thought they were supposed to do. And then what happened? An opportunity for disappointment. And so then they took the disappointment upon themselves and they gave up. That put a wall between their success. 
you know, if you think about it, it's possible if they had just prayed one more time, they could have seen that success. But when they saw what was happening around them, when they saw the things that were taking place, I'm sure that the demon was probably throwing the, the boy down worse when they were praying too. But the difference between Jesus and the disciples was that Jesus didn't stop until he saw the results that he knew he was going to get. We can allow disappointment in our lives to disconnect us, to build a wall between seeing our result, the thing that we want to see come to pass, whether it's in our lives or other people's lives, in our prayers for ourselves or prayers for others, and receiving from God, really, we disconnect and we don't try anymore. You know? Um, so how many of us have felt disappointment? We've all raised our hands. Um, what do we do about disappointment? It's living inside of us, and we've got to get rid of it, right? You know, God's not called us to be disappointed. Something that God told me when I was praying about this message this week, God was telling me, and this really changed my mind, uh, like renewed my mind, and I was like, I've never thought about this before. God said, you know, Aaron, I'm not disappointed. And I just grew up with this idea that God was disappointed. Like if you did wrong, then like God was disappointed with you. You know, if you didn't, you know, see that, like it, it moved into when I started believing for greater things, when I realized that God wanted me to do greater things than what my mind had previously thought, I started thinking, oh, if I didn't see that result, that God was disappointed with me because he would have seen that result. And God told me, he said, Aaron, I'm not disappointed with you. You're disappointed with yourself. And I was like, oh, wow. And something that I realized, when God told me that, I cried. It unleashed an emotion that was housed up in the disappointment. It was like there was a wall up, and it was like this cell. And inside it were these pin-up emotions. And this emotion was disappointed, but when I let it out, I felt so free in on the inside. So uh, we're going to look at um, Romans 5, 3 through 5, Nathan. And Julia, can you read that? So this verse really is answering the question, what do we do about disappointment? And it says, when we run into problems and trials, we could call that opportunity for disappointment. Problems and trials. We can rejoice because we know that they help us to develop endurance. So what did Jesus, in the story that we heard, what did he exhibit? Endurance. He kept going. He did not let that disappointment of the boy falling down, of not seeing, looking like he was getting the results he was wanted, he didn't let that stop him. He developed endurance, 
And he's like, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so endurance, it says, builds strength of character. So now we know once we've like done that, we've pushed past it. We're like, oh, now we've got the answer. Now we just, now we're not bothered by that. Like Jesus wasn't even bothered by the fact that the boy was thrown down. He had strength of character. It didn't bother him when the enemy attacked what he was trying to do. So many times in our lives, we're trying to do something, the enemy attacks us, and then we're like, oh, well, I probably shouldn't be doing this. I probably shouldn't be praying for this person. I probably shouldn't be, you know, believing for that thing because I'm feeling worse or they're getting worse or things aren't looking better. I should stop praying for that loved one. But really, what we're supposed to be doing is pressing in harder. And it says the hope, and what is the hope? It says our confident hope of salvation. So what is our hope in? It's in Jesus. It's in his completed work. So it's already finished. The thing that we've already done that we need to accomplish has already been finished for us. That's our hope. We can look at Jesus and say, he said on the cross, it's finished. He said on the cross, it's done. And so I can know for sure, for sure, that it's done here on earth. And so what happens is, I think, for most of our lives, we go along and we pray for something and we see it done. And we're like, all right, that's awesome. And we're like, oh yeah, I got it all. And then you go, you go to the next thing, and the next thing is accomplished. The next whatever challenge you face. And then you hit one, and it's like, oh, nothing's happening. Just like the disciples. The disciples went, and I'm sure they cast out many demons. In fact, they came back and said to Jesus, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. We use your name, and it's like, you know, they're out. So... You know, evidently they thought that that was the hardest thing. That was the biggest deal. So they were like, the demons are even subject to us. That's the big deal. And so when they got to this point, they had not seen any failure. Think about that. This is the first time that they were failed. They had failed. And it's the, and they actually hadn't really failed. They just gave up. They just allowed disappointment to get into their heart and they gave up. So Jesus like encourages them but he's also a little put out with them because he told them what they were supposed to do. And so it wasn't, he was, it's like running a race and you've trained and then you quit. Your coach is not going to be upset that your form was bad. He's upset that you quit. It's like, it was not about running and winning. It's just about finishing. Why did you quit? And so you know, if someone is running a race and they quit, it's their own fault. It's their own problem. And they, all they have to do is get back in the race. I remember one time, I'm telling this story and I had no plan on telling the story, but I, when I was in, I don't know, middle school, was in this, like, what was it called? I don't know, some, I was a, some homeschool thing. We went out and they did like a, a running they had like, ran half a mile. Physical fitness challenge. Presidential fitness challenge. That's what it was called. So anyway, so I was running in this race, and Dad was running right beside me. And I got about halfway through, and my shoe came untied. I was like, I'm done. 
I'm done. He's like, no, you're not. So he tied my shoe. And he's like, come on, come on, come on. We got to run. We got to finish. Um, but my dad wouldn't let me quit. And Jesus wasn't going to let his disciples quit right there and think that's it. Well, sometimes it doesn't happen. He didn't say that. Well, you know, guys, sometimes you're going to see it and sometimes you won't. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's not what Jesus said. <laughs> that's not what he said. He said, get back in the race. Keep doing it. You know? So I want to encourage you today, we want to encourage you, don't allow disappointment in your life, in some area in your life. And I'm sure if you're like me, you probably could think of a hundred different areas where disappointment has crept in to your life. But the important thing is that when we have disappointment in our life and we've allowed that to to happen, we can also get into self-condemnation. We get into this idea that, oh, it's my fault. I'm disappointed. I shouldn't be disappointed. I know the word. I know what the word says, but I'm still disappointed. That's not what it says in Romans 5.3. What's the solution for that? For we know how God dearly loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The solution for us feeling self-condemnation is the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our hearts. We have to allow in that place for God's love to heal that area of disappointment. That's the only way that we can get past the disappointment. That's the only way that we can take that and remove it from ourselves. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Okay, so Proverbs 13, 12. Julia, can you read that? I've heard this verse taught like my whole life. And we talked about this and I was praying about it because sometimes I just don't, it just didn't always make sense with the way people explained it. And so I was like, I'm going to have to go to the person who wrote the book. I'll go and ask God. And so I asked God, I was like, God, what does this verse mean? And he said, Aaron, who is deferring the hope? Who is deferring the hope? Because I've, I've heard it taught and it's kind of like, well, when things just don't happen, when things, you know, it takes a long time. But who is stopping hope? Is it me or is it God? Is God stopping the hope? Is something making me stop hoping? Or am I the one deferring the hope? And is, and then I was, so I was reading this verse and I was talking to God about it. And I was like, well, God, what is hope deferred? And he said, well, you could call it disappointment. He's like, the thing you hoped in didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. And that's disappointment. So disappointment makes the heart sick. And, and, he, and then God was talking to me. He's like, and how do you receive something? I was like, well, in my heart. He's like, how do you receive me? He's like, in my heart. How do you receive anything? It's the doorway. And he said, where do I stand, Aaron? I said, you stand at the door of my heart and knock. That's the place you want to come into. So if disappointment is making my heart sick, is that the thing that's keeping me from receiving from God? Is that the thing that's keeping me from seeing the things I'd like to see? Because I know it's not God, but is it disappointment in my life? So, um, 
uh, Romans 10.10. Do you have that, Nathan? I have to flip to it on my Bible. Oh, cool. All right, so Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is, you know, we use this verse for salvations and for, you know, people believing on Jesus. But think about this for a second. This is a map for how things work. It comes through your heart and that's where you can believe. Let me ask you a question. If you don't believe, how can you have faith? If your heart is sick, if it's not strong, if it's broken, if there's something broken about it, how is it going to believe? And then it takes your heart believing first, it lists, and then your mouth confesses. I know a lot of people uh, that they're confessing the right things with their mouth, but in their heart, they don't actually believe it. And they'll say the right things. And then when it comes down to it, like where the rubber actually meets the road, it's empty. And it feels like, oh, well, I just, it's not going to happen for me. It's not, you know, you know, you, they just feel so hopeless. There's absolute hopelessness because their heart right here is sick from disappointment. Now, some of us have had more opportunity to be disappointed and it's not your fault. The more you ask for, the more possibility there is for disappointment. My mom used to tell me when we were cooking she used to say, Aaron, the only way to make mistakes in the kitchen is if you actually use it. And so <laughs> she would say that when we burn something or mess something up. But, you know, you think about it, the more you pray, the more opportunity you have for disappointment. So what people do is, as this wall of disappointment gets built higher and higher, you disconnect. You quit trying. You disconnect. From, if I'm disappointed, say I was disappointed with Julia, or maybe better this way around. Sometimes, most of the time, my clothes find their way to the ground. And, some, <laughs> and this always, this has been a disappointment for Julia. <laughs> we, so this is, a better, this is a true and better story because there's not very many times Julia disappoints me. But um, one time I was asleep and I heard her... <laughs> picking up my clothes and praying to God about it. <laughs> so, but the longer she stays married to me, the more opportunity she'll have for disappointment. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. Yes, yeah, I, I, I have been doing better, haven't I? I have been improving. That was a negative confession, you're right. <laughs> but I'm just saying the more opportunity, not saying it will happen, but just opportunity. <laughs> um, I told you God was going to give me a joke. <laughs> I felt like God told me that I was going to tell a joke, and I was like, God, I even looked for jokes this morning. I was like, I've never told a joke before, and I mean, I'll look for one, God, if you told me I'm going to tell one. I couldn't find one, and none of them were good. That, that one was pretty good. Um, <laughs> but... If our heart is, becomes sickened from disappointment, the more I lay my clothes on the floor, the more Julia will be disconnected from me with that. She won't be able to be drawn near to me 
Because I'll be like, oh, I love you. She's like, your clothes are on the floor again, you know? Because that disconnection builds. As disappointment happens, disconnection builds, doesn't it? And we can become disconnected from even ourselves. Have you ever, like, sometimes you just can't go there. You can't think about whatever it is. Um, I was watching this financial thing with Nathan, and they were talking about people that come to them for financial advice, these, these financial guys. And they said there are some people that they will not look at their bank account. They will not look at any, like anything that comes in, no bills, no nothing. And they don't pay anything. They just said they have big piles of stuff piling up because they can't go there in their head, probably because their hearts have been hurt with disappointment somewhere. And they've built this wall. And they're like, I just don't go there. I don't, you know. And they were saying they... Their houses are being repossessed and they're not because they don't have the money, but just because they don't open the, the bills, you know. So this disappointment can actually affect every area of our life. And we can be disappointed with each other, but we can also be a lot of times it all comes down to God. Because what I've found is that if you keep pulling like the string, you find out it's, it becomes like, well, I know Aaron's my husband, but you brought him to me. You know, <laughs> it becomes something. It always ends up, even subconsciously for us, it ends up being something with God. And so a lot of times it sounds really bad, but we're disappointed with God. And we're holding this disappointment. So we have to have a hope, an expectation of God in the first place, don't we, Julia? Yeah, and it needs to be all that we Ask or think beyond that. And do you do you want to share that? You know, if you think about it, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he said, the things you see that I'm doing, you will do these things and greater things. And like, we'd be really excited if we saw the things that Jesus did. I mean, I'm telling you, I would be really excited if my life looked like Jesus's. But he, was te- he told me that in the Bible, in the word, that my life will look like him and greater. Well, I mean, that's, that's hard to believe because we have built up discipline in our lives like well I did this one time and it didn't work well who told you it didn't work was it was it God did God's like oh quit trying Aaron you're just not that level yet you know if you think about like the disciples their theology was at the level that they went and saw all of these miracles and then afterwards this one city told Jesus that they didn't want him to come into their city and they were like do you, do you want us to call down fire and burn them up you know, their theology was not to probably the level of the love of God, zero. You know, they're like, we will destroy these people for you. You will never have to see them again. You know, their theology wasn't correct. God's called us to do these things, and he's not looking for experts. He's looking for people that say yes. You know, he didn't go to the 
religious centers, he went out and found some fishermen and tax collectors to be his disciples because all he wanted to do is say, you come follow me, and they said yes. Uh, we don't know how many people he asked to follow him, and they said no. All he's looking for is your yes. Um, we were talking about this, weren't we, this week? And I was like, I don't know how to explain, like, like this disappointment is a stronghold for many, for many in the church. It's a, disappointment is a stronghold to the point where when you pray for someone, I've had people come up to me and say, you shouldn't pray for that because you don't want to get their hopes up. You know, that is disappointment as a stronghold. And I felt like God gave me this word and he said, I felt like this, he said this to me, the stronghold of bitterness is built with walls of disappointment and filled with offense. Once you become bitter, that's like the final bloom. But disappointment starts and it's like really small. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, okay, whatever, you know. It just, you know, I pray for that person. That didn't happen. I pray for that thing to happen. And I didn't see that come to pass. And we just kind of move on with our lives. And they keep like being built brick by brick. And it's a wall. And then we get offended like, oh, God must not love me because other people get healed or other people have seen this happen in their life. Their child came back to them. Their thing happened. You know, that person got the promotion, but I didn't. And so we become offended. And then we become bitter. And like bitter is the top level and it just totally clouds everything, our thinking, and it just turns us into people that we really aren't. I was praying about this and I felt like God said, like when Julius was telling me, we were praying about this separately. And after she came and told me about, said, God said that this was a spirit. Do you think that's possible? I was like, yeah. You know, God says this, he's not given us a spirit of fear. You know, and fear is, it seems like an emotion, but it changes. It like actually grows on people. You've seen people that get really afraid and it's like, that doesn't even make any sense anymore. You know, they're, it's like, growing on them they like welcome it in and it's just this little fear but then it gets bigger and bigger and more complicated um but I, I was praying about this and I was like well God what like what does a spirit of disappointment look like and he said have you ever wondered where the voice comes from that says that didn't work that didn't work that didn't work it's not working, it's not working. look you need to quit you know you need to give up and it's so interesting about this week, I have never heard, I've, I started speaking a long time ago when I did a children's ministry, and I haven't, for a long time, I've never heard the voice of the enemies come against me speaking. Like, I've, the, I've worked past that, you know. And to this week, I heard the enemy say, you're not, you weren't supposed to go and speak. 
you're not supposed to speak. And I, I knew to laugh. I was like, oh, it's going to be good. I told Ryan, I was like, this is going to be good because the enemy is afraid of what I'm going to share, of what God's going to share through us. And so um, do you want to talk about um, James Woods, Julia? Yeah, we Yeah, you know, and I used to even feel like this guy came to me one time and he was like, you know, when prophets come and speak over, they should have to speak over everyone because it's not fair. You know, it's not fair that some people get all these words and and really it was a disappointment in their life that they were explaining to me. But I started thinking about this, about fairness. It's like, well, you know, the world isn't fair. We live in a very unfair world. You know, we're, it's not fair that we were born as Americans. Some people are born and... You know, they don't know what they're going to eat at all, period. They don't know tomorrow they're going to wake up and they're going to be like, what am I going to eat today? Um, and we don't have that problem. And we don't know anybody that has that problem around us. And I started praying about it. I was asking God. And, you know, and God said, you know, Jesus' payment wasn't fair either. I was like, yeah, you're right. It wasn't fair at all. He said, you know, he came and gave. And with no, the only thing that he was going to receive was you. I was like, that was not a fair, does not feel like a fair exchange, you know? He, but, and then God said, don't minimize who you are. Don't minimize what I purchased. Don't minimize your value. I set your value, and it isn't fair, and that's why you need to praise. I was like, yeah, that's true. Um, but understanding that things are not fair, that sometimes the devil is after you because you are you have something that other people need, that you need, that the church needs for the next level. And the enemy's attacking you because of that. He's coming against you. He came against Jesus too. Right after Jesus heard from God, from heaven, and he gets baptized, he heard, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right after that, then the devil himself comes to attack Jesus. You know? The devil himself, he's like, oh, time to attack. He's looking for opportunities to attack you, to give you opportunities to be disappointed. And he comes, the first thing he does, what would Jesus be disappointed of 
not, not eating. He hasn't eaten in 30 days. Hey, turn these stones into bread. There you go. You know, that's that temptation to operate out of, you know, disappointment, of not seeing something, the fruition of something, of not having our needs met. We feel that way only because we're allowing this voice of disappointment into saying, oh, it's not, not working. Um, something I heard a uh, pastor, we were listening to a guy on, on uh, YouTube, and he was saying, there's a reason. I've never really heard this taught before, but I thought it was really good. He said, there's a reason that God does things in the 11th hour, like the last minute, God does things. And he said, think about how Jesus came. A lot of it was like almost secretive. And it says that if the forces of evil, if Satan had known, he would not have killed Jesus. And he said, a lot of times God does things right at the last second. It's for your own good. Because actually that provision didn't need to come before because then Satan could actually attack that provision. Satan could actually attack that walking in power. And it comes right at the last second. And I was like, huh, that's good. I've never really thought about that. Because I'm always like, I'm not that kind of person. I don't like um, 11th hour stuff. Um, I don't, I like to see things all straight and like, okay, I've got this planned out and this, you know, we're, we're both like that. But you need to understand, instead of allowing disappointment coming in, you need to see that He's making a way. It's just not been made yet. You know, it's just not been made yet because the enemy is after what you've got. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy, isn't he? But you know what? Julia and I were talking about how prayer controls the situation, and we're actually in control. You know, God has told us to ask, and he says, you have not because you ask not. And I, we hadn't thought about that at all, but that, why don't we ask? Why don't we ask? Because we've been disappointed. Because we've felt like we've asked, and we haven't seen that. And so we quit asking, and God's like, you don't have because you don't ask. But we sometimes, I've never thought about, like, why don't we ask? Because we're disappointed. But, you know, not only, we're going to talk about how to get rid of disappointment because we've been praying about that and we're going to pray for you guys and um, I'm, I'm believing God that we're going to see a lot of disappointment break over this congregation and that, I feel like this is going to launch us into another level of believing God. You know, as we tear down these strongholds, you know, do you know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a place for the enemy to come in. Where, you know, wherever a stronghold is, it's built up it's built up to hide the enemy soldiers. 
And so a lot of times when people are like, oh, I don't understand why the enemy is getting me in this just one area, a lot of times it's because of a stronghold. And a stronghold is where it's a place that the enemy can come into and you're like, you can't get me in here. You know, because the reason for that is we've agreed with that. In that stronghold, we've agreed with whatever it is. We've partnered with the enemy in that place and he's like, you can't touch us because you agree with us. You said that we could be here. And so... Um, we were talking about um, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Can we put that up, Nathan? It's in there somewhere. Sorry, I'm jumping around now. Oh, is it up there? Oh, cool, cool. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so go back to the first verse, Nathan. Okay. So our weapons that God has given us are not carnal. So, you know, you can put your sword down. Uh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So this verse is saying if you think about it on the big picture, the thing that actually you need to change is a stronghold. And what is a stronghold? Go to the next verse. Okay, so this is a description in 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 5, casting down arguments. So a stronghold could be an argument or a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So that's a thought, right? So something that we're, we think is true but it's not. That's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And I want you to think about this. Who said it's not working? Is that exalting itself against the knowledge of God? What did God say? Did God say it wasn't working? Or is he saying that I've given you power? Is he saying, what is his report? Nathan, go to um, Isaiah 53.1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Believing the report is directly connected to seeing the arm of God being revealed. So believing the report, if we have a stronghold in our life, that means that we're not believing the report. That we're not believing what God is saying about us. And, it, and it's saying that that's disconnect is disconnecting from letting us see the arm of the Lord of whatever, to reach into whatever situation it is. Um, do you want to talk about aggressive faith, Julia? Next. Okay. So, um, go to, Nathan, go to Hebrews 6.12. That you not become sluggish but imitate those through faith and patience inherit the promises. So it's saying there are two things required to inherit the promise, promise here. So the promise is good. It doesn't say we can figure out whether the promise is good or not. You're imitating those in the past who did two things. They had faith, so they believed it was coming to pass, and they had patience. They're like, I'm not worried that it hasn't come to pass yet. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm having faith. 
But we know that faith is a now thing. We are in faith now. So if we get in dis- disappointment, if we're looking at you know, a stronghold of disappointment, we can't be in faith because we're saying it's not. It's not. It's not working. And then what we do is, then our language changes instead of now it is. Now it's happening. We say, oh, and someday it will. Someday it will happen in the future. We have patience that I may have to pray for a month to see this happen, but it's happening. It's, I'm reminded of um, John G. Lake. He sent out his um, disciples, and he said, you know, they got names of people. They prayed and got names, and he said, don't come back until they're healed. That is faith and patience. The patience is, I'm going to be here as long as it takes. Whatever it takes, I'm here. I'm going to be patient. It's not, I'm, one day we'll see it over, you know, in the sweet by and by, maybe it'll happen, you know, but I'm going to have patience now. So our faith has to also become aggressive. As we tear this, this stronghold of disappointment, our faith will become aggressive because this disappointment has made us push back and become passive. And that aggressiveness in Jesus, he didn't, you know, take no. When he prayed for the one man and then he, uh, his vision, and he said, I see men, they look like trees. He didn't say, oh, well, that's all you get. <laughs> I've prayed for everyone else once and that's it. You know, but he prayed again and he continued to, you know, aggressively attack the situation with his faith. Yeah, but I've just Yeah. So where is your expectation? You know? Has it been brought down to like a low expectation because of disappointment? Has your has the enemy like lowered your opinion of God? What he's gonna do for you? Like, well I pray, but I'm not sure what'll happen. 
And what does it mean to have an abundant, overflowing life? If you're believing, you cannot be passive. You can't be, if you're in belief, you either are or you're not. You can't be like, well, yeah, that's not believing. You know, <laughs> if you think about it, you, you know, it's, it doesn't sound good, but sometimes I'm just not in belief. I'm not just, I'm not believing. I'm not believing for something. And I need to be honest with myself sometimes, like, Aaron, you're not believing for this. You know, it's, you need to focus. And Jesus telling his disciples um, in this first story that we talked about, he said, this kind goes out with prayer and fasting. What is prayer and fasting? Focus. It's focusing on God. He's telling them, focus on God. Don't focus on the thing. You focus on God. That's what comes out. That's how it works. You focus on God, and this is how it works. We can't be passive and be like, well, I don't know. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We have to believe and focus on God and say, God, if you were here, would this work? You're here in me. It works. So you were walking and God was talking to you about Moses. Yeah, I was uh, meditating on God parting the Red Sea. Yeah, and think about, like, I'm reminded with that story. It's like, think of what little action he actually did to see what actually happened. It was God's power that was moving. For many of us, we feel like we have to actually do it in our own power. Like, I don't know, how am I going to make this work, you know? A lot of times I look at what God's called me to do, and I catch myself thinking. Like, well, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to... You know, what job do I need? What, how do I get this kind of finances? Well, you know, how do I you know, position myself for the future? But actually, what I need to do is focus on God and then partner with him. And, you know, when Moses took his staff and put it in the water, that was something he could do. Anybody could have done that. But God's power moves through that one act of faith. We get in our heads that we actually have to do something, and we actually, by that, and probably because of disappointment in our past, but we take the authority from God and the power from God, and we take it and put it on ourselves. And then we're like, it's so hard to do our life. It's so hard to do, get this done. And actually, we just need to be focused on God and partnering with him.
So we're going to focus now on God. We're going to receive from him, but also we're going to cast our cares on him. Disappointment is also a care. You know, if you think about it, it's something that weighs on our heart. It's something that we care about. Who wants in here wants to be disappointed? Nobody. You know, nobody wants to be disappointed. So we're going to cast our care on God because he loves you. He cares for you. And he wants to take that care, that disappointment. And... Yeah, I just encourage you also, if you don't feel like you have a disappointment, or just to open your hearts and ask God, is there something that I'm disappointed about that I'm not aware of? Because I was, we were doing this together, and I didn't realize I was carrying a disappointment, but God showed me my dad's face, and my dad passed away early, if I'm allowed to say, through illness. Yeah, so the first thing is that we need to recognize that we have been disappointed. Because a lot of times we look at something and we're like, oh, I'm not disappointed. I'm okay. I'm okay. But we keep pushing that back. And the first step, and it's always an emotional thing, isn't it? It's always, it's because these emotions are locked in that disappointment. And so I expect that people will cry today as we release this disappointment. It's okay. Don't, like the enemy will come and say, oh, look, you're crying. That's embarrassing. You know, crying in church. I am just telling you, I expect people to cry today that don't normally cry. Because I don't normally cry, but I've cried many times this week over God saying, you know, you're disappointed with that. You need to give that disappointment to me. And just as I've noticed this, like it's been coming out and God's like been freeing me. But I feel this release and it's like, oh, here I am crying again, you know. But I'm telling you right now, I expect that to happen and it's okay. So if the enemy comes and says, oh, you're making an embarrassment of yourself, you're not. I've just released this whole atmosphere for, you know, a release of emotions. It's okay. Um, God cares about the things you care about. You know, if you think about this, what a lie we've believed that we can't express our emotions in church. You know, because God cares about the things that we care about. We're more comfortable expressing our emotions at a movie than at church. When God made our emotions, they're good. They're, they're meant to do a job and they help to, um, when he's cleansing us, we have a release of emotions. So we're going we're gonna to start. I want you to close your eyes. Some of you right now are already know exactly the disappointment that you're giving to God, but some of you don't. So I want you to ask God, God, what's the most important disappointment that I need to give to you right now? Okay, now... I want everybody, once you've received that, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you what that disappointment is. I just want to know where everybody is. Is everybody at the point of, okay, cool, praise God, okay. 
Now I want you to quietly to yourself name that thing, whatever it is. You know, I don't, no one needs to hear it. God knows. But it helps that you make the motions with your lips and say, I give this to you. God, I thank you that you are receiving these things. Jesus, you said to come, and we're coming right now. God, every one of us has had burdens, cares on our lives, and we give that to you. Now, Jesus says, and it's an exchange. You give something to him, he gives something to you. Now, I want you to ask him, what do you have to give me that goes in that place? The place where the disappointment was. Now, I want to encourage you. Some of you may be thinking, I don't want to give that up because somebody actually did me wrong. Something happened because there's bitterness now on top of that disappointment. But I want to encourage you. It's like your keys. If I were to throw my keys to Julia, the keys still exist. I just don't have them anymore. It's not saying that it wasn't important or it wasn't um, a real thing. It absolutely was. It's not, we're not saying that it's not real. We're just saying you shouldn't have him. You shouldn't have the disappointment. God should have that. Let God take your disappointment. So now I want you to repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I cast down the spirit of disappointment. I command it to be made silent in my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me your spirit and that of power and love and sound mind. Now I want you to do one more thing. I want you to ask God what the truth was about the disappointment. Because this is how you get to the next step. Once you've taken care of the disappointment, now you need to hear the truth. What's the truth about the disappointment? God. Ask this question too. What do I need to do to partner with you?
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're partnering with each one right now. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to encourage you that you can do this over and over and over again. Father, this week I've 
probably done this probably a hundred times of just giving dif- different disappointments to God coming to me. The more, now that you've noticed it, God will keep bringing it because he wants you to be free. And he wants you to walk in freedom. And like even little things, it's not worth holding on to this disappointment. Whatever it is, it's not worth holding on to. And the more freedom we receive in this area, the more power we'll be able to walk in. Yeah, yeah, so true. Thank you, guys.